Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Kitty Sewell. I've been in the radio business for nearly 20 years, mostly working for public radio in the United States. In 2013, I quit my stable job and moved to Rome for just one year. That's where this podcast begins. And if you're new, don't be afraid to start at the beginning. A lot of interesting topics have come up over the years, and I'd hate for you to miss out on the adventure. My co-host is Tiffany Parks. She's a writer, and she's an expat who moved to Rome over a decade ago with a determination to stay whatever it took. She's also my childhood friend. I met her on the school bus in sixth grade. I hope you like the show, and if you do, tell a friend and take the time to write us a review. You could also participate in our share and win some prizes. Find details on how to play along at our About page at thebittersweetlife.net. We're glad you're here. Now, on with the show. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. And it is almost Halloween. (laughs) (laughs) Today we're telling ghost stories. Yes, scary stories because it's so fun to revel in the scary things about the world around Halloween. And as you know, last week we teased playing one of my very, very favorite radio pieces of all time. A very controversial piece, a piece that got me a lot of angry mail and uh, equally a lot of mail that was happy and found it kind of funny. So you be the judge, I guess. Should we just kick it off first and listen to that and go from there? Kick it off. All right. This is a piece I made quite a long time ago about my favorite four-year-old who loves watching horror films. What's the last horror movie that you saw? Uh, Ellie the Horror. It says, get out. Get out. What happens in Amityville Horror? The bugs come on the face. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah? And blood comes out of the face. Out of the walls? Yeah. Blood comes out of the wall into the stairs. And then people run off the house, and then that's the end. (laughs) Right. That's right. Do you worry that people think that you're a bad parent? No, because I don't think anyone saw my father as a bad parent for letting me watch him. I mean, I grew up on them, and at least I like to think I turned out okay. I mean, she still does. Even though she watches and prefers the scary movies, she still watches Dora the Explorer and Care Bears and, and all that, you know, child stuff. I was running. Right? Where's she running? She's running to the car. Right? Right. She, she doesn't have the keys. She, <laughs> should, she should have stayed in the car. Yeah, she should have. If there's sex, nudity, and lots of strong, violent language in it, I do not care for her to watch it. Just a normal gore movie or something that it's implied. I usually take movies that are more implied and let her see those. I mean, she, you know, she is, she's seen Scream a few times. If you hang up on me, you'll die just like your mother. She loves that movie for some unknown reason. 
And uh, she's also seen the original Night of the Living Dead, and she loves that one as well, which I'm very proud of. This is Oppie. What? This is Oppie. Uh oh. Tell Katie about what happens in Scream. Scream ends up coming in the house, and then Scream grabs, and Scream puts the knife in the chest, and then they die. Do the bad people always die? No. Girls always die. And Daddy doesn't. You don't, Daddy. No. You don't on Halloween. Watch it. What's upstairs? A, a dead body. <laughs> Is she right? Yes. No, a dead head. A dead head? It was rock. It was a dead head. What's your favorite color, Chloe? The blood. <laughs> no, favorite color. Okay. My favorite color is the blood. I like red like the blood. <laughs> I like the pink train to the blood. Do you like to be scared? Yeah. Why? Because it's fun. Does it make your heart beat too fast? Yeah, and I run out of the house. And then someone saves me. Who yeah. saves you? Daddy does! So I have probably heard that story, I don't know, a hundred times now. And every single time I listen to it, I still laugh out loud. <laughs> that, <laughs> Wayne Jesus' her favorite color is the blood. <laughs> the blood. <laughs> it was such an unexpected answer, too. Because remember, I'm interviewing a four-year-old. We're just going back and forth talking about horror movies, but then she's also doing things like touching both of her feet and saying, look at what I can do. And I love the earnestness of that answer. Yeah, it's crazy to me because Aurelio is three and a quarter. He's not that far away from four. I can't imagine him watching a horror film. He still seems so tiny to me. I don't even let him watch certain cartoons that I think are a little bit too violent. I'm not judging, but I just can't imagine him seeing them because I just don't feel like he could handle it. But, you know, hey, there's lots of different types of kids in the world. Yeah, maybe that's because you've never tried. The interesting thing about Chloe was that she was so used to it. She actually had a half-brother who was quite a bit older than her when we did that interview. He was probably 11, and she'd been watching horror movies her entire life from the time she was born. She would fall asleep during them. If he saw even a glimpse of them as a kid who was never allowed to see anything like that, if he saw a glimpse, he would be up all night long. <laughs> so it's just sort of an interesting, a different take on what should be appropriate. What I want to know is which were the parents? He must have been the mom's son, not the father's. That's right. Yeah. But it's crazy to me that she would, if she refused to let her older son watch horror movies but she was letting her baby daughter watch them mm -hmm. it's, it's surprising that she changed her mind like that well here's the thing about my friend matt matt's the father in that story matt is a real lover of horror as a genre he's a great storyteller and he just loves it loves it loves it and he grew up watching it as he says in that piece and it means everything to him so i don't know if she had a choice but let's listen to a little bit more from Matt, because when we put out the call to get stories from people for this episode, he responded, okay. and he told me this true ghost story from his life that I had never heard before. We lived in a condo on the ground floor several years ago 
when my daughter was four years old. She's now 17. But I remember one night we were in our room asleep and my daughter was in the bedroom across the hall. And I was fast asleep when she came in and woke me up by shaking my arm. And of course, half dazed, I leaned up and said, what's the matter, sweetheart? What's going on? And she was rubbing her eyes and said, I can't go to sleep because the old lady keeps waking me up. So confused by what she was saying, I was about to get out of bed to take her back to her room when my now ex-wife, but wife at the time, decided she would do it. So she got out of bed, took our daughter by the arm, and went across the hall into her room. And suddenly she let out this loud gasp and sigh combo, like a... (gasps) So not sure what was happening, I threw the covers off of me, ran across the hall, and in the doorway... My wife was holding on to my daughter for dear life, and I looked past them, and at the foot of my daughter's bed looked like the silhouette of this old lady sitting. And I could tell that she had a long dress on, her legs were crossed, and her hands were rested in her lap, and she had a bun on the top of her head. And she also looked like she was holding up one finger to her mouth to shush us. Really confused by what I was seeing and a little scared, to be honest, I quickly turned around, flicked on the light switch, and nothing was there. So we took a moment, all looked at each other. Then I said, hold on, I'm going to check it again. I turned off the light switch to see if it was a shadow or something. But there was nothing there this time. The bed was fully lit by the outdoor moonlight coming through the window. And she was gone. We immediately asked Chloe exactly what had happened. She filled us in that she was sleeping and she felt a hand on her chest rubbing it to wake her up. And when she opened her eyes, all she could see was this old woman telling her to be quiet. So she got out of bed came over and was tattling on the old lady. It was really scary, to be honest, and nothing really scares me very often, but that was definitely one. And we lived there for another year before moving out. And in the entire time we lived there, we never saw her. We never heard her again. And that was our creepy old lady story. That is absolutely terrifying. That is terrifying. (laughs) I thought what I was thinking, obviously, when I listen to ghost stories, I always do so with an open mind, like we talked about last week. I suspend any disbelief because it's more fun that way. But I was sort of thinking in my head, oh, it's probably something in her room that's making this crazy shadow. And the fact that they turned the lights back off again and there was no shadow anymore. I mean, that is just terrifying. Yeah. I have to wonder if... That could be another reason that Chloe is so open to these horror movies is because she lived in a haunted house. <laughs> I love Matt's observation, too, that the old woman's telling her to stay quiet or whatever she's saying, and, and, and Chloe gets up and tells on her. <laughs> <laughs> Good girl. 
Yeah, not scared. Okay, so here I want to play this other piece of tape because Seattle, as you know, I spent a lot of time in Seattle and I spent a lot of time in radio in Seattle and I loved Halloween. So we always did a bang up job for Halloween. We could probably do like 14 Halloween shows with fun stuff that we did. But there were a few famously haunted places in Seattle. And one of those places was a bar named Kells. Okay. So back in the day, my intern, Irene Noguchi, went down and interviewed the bartender at Kells and got some really good stories. And so I thought we could share those too. Here we go. People have felt presences in here. People have been touched. Recently, we've had a lot of people take photographs. And in the photographs, there'll be actually a person. And just there, um, a few weeks ago, there was um, one of the cooks got the fright out of his life. And he... <laughs> He was one that always said, oh, I've worked here for years. I've never seen anything. One morning he came in here and he heard all the dishes rattling and he was sitting having his breakfast and he got up and he thought it was one of the other people that came in after him and he shouted out and nobody answered and he got up to see and he was looking around, there's nobody here. And so then he thought somebody had come into the restaurant. So he walks out, walked out and um, he had a big butcher knife and then he <laughs> came right through the restaurant like, who's here? And nobody was here and it was still pretty dark so we came into the kitchen and he started preparing for lunch and as he as he started chopping the vegetables he felt there was somebody stirring at him the hairs on his back of his neck when he was retelling the story to me he says the hairs on the back of my neck he says i got so chilled and the hairs on the back of my neck stood up then i went to look on the camera and you could actually see a person walk towards the door right back by the kitchen door just standing there and even my kids were like, oh, it's there, it's him, it's him. <laughs> a man there that I had seen before. When you see a ghost, when you see a spirit, it's not one of those things that, wow, it's, oh my God, like, why did this person actually show themselves physically to me? It was in the morning time, it was 11.30 in the morning, the, the man that I saw, and the front door was open. So nobody walked in through the front door, and I was looking at this man thinking, where did he come from? But he was at the distance, like about 30 feet away from me, and I'm looking at him going, where did he come from? He had high cheekbones that were very sallow. He had short, black, somewhat curly hair, dark eyes, and he had this double-breasted suit on that first I thought, is he a chef? But it wasn't, it was a jacket. And then all of a sudden, he faded away. Well, when somebody fades away, you know they're, <laughs> you know they're not a person. Other things have happened, like there was a guy's in here one night for a 30th birthday. One of them came into the front bar and he said, um, oh, that's right, the say here is haunted. And as soon as he said, the beer tap just went forward and the beer started pouring. And of course, my son was pouring a Guinness, but he had his back to the beer. And I just reached over and turned it off. And so um, I said, did you, Rory, did you see what happened there? And he's like, yeah, right, mom. Well... It wasn't that long later that Rory was bartending in here and he was, he was closing up at the end of the night and he was by himself. And he says to me, Mommy, I got the life skirt out of me. And of course, this is one that's an unbeliever because my, my kids all think I'm nuts over this. But he said, I heard voices. I heard people arguing, but I didn't know where the, the voices were coming from. And he says, there was nobody in the bar. There's nobody in the front. And everything was get, had been locked up because all he had to do was turn off the lights and clean up the bar. He said, I could hear these voices, and they were getting louder and louder, and it sounded like men. And I said, well, what were they saying? He said, I don't know, but the voices got really raised, like they were in an intense argument. I run outside the door. He says, I left. I says, 
I wasn't standing and I got outside and he says, I could still hear them. He says, I promise I'll never make fun of anybody again. I'll never make fun of anybody that's afraid of the dark. He really got the daylight scared out of him. And it's really nothing you can make up. Like people say, oh, you make up these stories. and it. You can't make up stories about the dead. There's nobody I know that hasn't lost someone. And to be quite honest, as I've always said, they're like angels. They stay around you. They don't go away. And when you think about them, that thought is in, you know, it, it comes in you. It's just you embrace it. You just, I mean, people say, oh, why didn't you, um, you know, get rid of them? But as I said, you have the place blessed. And, and no matter what you do, if somebody, if somebody passes, you always try to think of them in, in very, you know, good favor and God's favor. And it's just sort of so that their soul rests. But if they want to stay here, that's fine too. The more the merrier. As I said to somebody at the bar one night, I says, well, listen, if you see a ghost, just tell them to buy you a drink. Thanks, Irene Noguchi, for doing that. By the way, Irene is now a powerhouse player in the radio world. She is the executive producer of a podcast called Today Explained. I don't know if you've heard it before, but I love it. It's sort of a daily news show, but it's super funny. And she started out under your wing? She did. Well, I mean, she started out in the world as a lawyer and decided to quit and become a radio producer, which from a financial standpoint was probably a terrible decision. But from an artistic standpoint, <laughs> was really a good match for her. She was a, an amazing producer right from the start. Okay, so I have a follow-up question for you, though, from that. All right. Mm-hmm. So the bartender's tone in that piece is she's telling these really scary, this really scary story to most of us about and there on the videotape was a ghost but she's so matter of fact about it yeah, and, I noticed that it too. and it reminded me of this interview I just read there's a movie that's just coming out or it's already out right now called the sisters brothers which is based off a book by Patrick DeWitt and I had just happened to finish reading that book right so I was reading interviews with him about the book and the book is very matter of fact it's set in sort of a realistic world it's a western but it has these surreal scenes that are speckled throughout it occasionally. So he's asked by an interviewer how he went about speckling in these surrealistic, supernatural scenes in a book that's not really a supernatural, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And this was his answer, which reminded me somehow of that Kells interview. He said, I lived in a haunted house for a while, and my roommates and I were harassed by the ghost. <laughs> <laughs> She'd sit on our chests when we slept and we'd wake up gasping for air. As unpleasant as this was, our lives didn't revolve around it. It was just another thing to worry about, along the lines of making rent. (laughs) This phase was something I referred to in my mind when deciding how and where to position the supernatural elements of the book. And the thing I loved about that was that it's just this matter-of-fact thing. It's like, yeah, that was a weird phase of my life, but the ghost wasn't anything that we worried about any more than we did the rent. Getting the rent paid. Yeah, I love the word harassing. It's just not the word that you normally associate with ghosts. You think of ghosts as haunting you, not harassing you. Yeah. It's, it makes it so much more pedestrian. So much more pedestrian. It made me wonder if you had any thoughts of, in him saying that and in the bartender, do you think that people who encounter a ghost regularly or live in a house with one don't find them spine tingling? Are they just sort of as common as, we've got ants? You know what, Katie, I think it might be more than that. I think it might be that people who believe in the possibility of ghosts so much that it doesn't seem like something totally outrageous are the kind of people who who notice them. Mm. People like who don't believe in ghosts are the ones who are never going to see them because they don't believe in them, you know? 
I don't know if I'm making sense. I don't know if that would if that would be true or not, but that's an interesting thought. Maybe you have to be on like a certain wavelength to be able to experience a ghost. Maybe not everyone is on that wavelength. I mean, if you think about like mediums who talk with the dead, maybe that's the sort of wavelength that people who have ghost encounters are on. And maybe ghosts are everywhere. Mm. It's just that not all of us are open to them or can feel them slash see them. Mm. And therefore, the people who do see them automatically are much more normal about it. That's an interesting thought. Who knows? Like I said, I've never seen one. And I believe in ghosts. So just come on, let me see one. <laughs> I'm so putting it out theory. there. <laughs> so under that theory, I might be living in a haunted house right now. And I just don't know it. Well, the whole world could be haunted. Yeah. You know, we have no idea. Can I read you an email that we got? Yes. All right. This is from Jessica. Who wrote, five years ago, my mom passed away. She was 83. But before that, my brother and I were meeting at her house from our separate lives to help move mom into an assisted living place. Half of our family thought she should stay in her beautiful house and just get help, and the other thought she should move. Mom made the decision that morning by dying, probably from a heart attack. My brother called with the news, and I met him at the house. When I got there, my, my brother took me from the driveway back to the back of the house to talk, cry, and discuss the situation. I didn't know that mom's body was still in the living room, surrounded by packed, ready-to-move boxes. I had no idea. I was still in the backyard with my brother. But as I turned toward the house, I thought I saw a glimpse of mom standing, looking out the back window. It was brief, and I felt nothing more. But it made a believer in me. That little bit. Wow. That's, yeah. These are the kind of stories that make me think, geez. There's too many stories out there like this of people who've seen ghosts and it's hard to believe that it's that everyone is imagining it. Yeah. Well, we got a different kind of email. Maybe you can read this one. This was not a ghost story, but we also did ask for creepy experiences while traveling. And this is in that realm. Okay. Well, this is the first time I'm reading this. So good luck. I'm prepared to be scared myself. <laughs> I had just arrived in Vienna after spending a week in small towns in the mountains in Switzerland. Despite Vienna being such a grand city, for me it was just a big and crowded city. This is from listener Keith, by the way. In those days, before ATMs, the best place to change money was to go to the American Express office to cash in traveler's checks. I was in line waiting, and like a lot of Americans in a hurry, complaining a bit, saying how I was only staying for as little time as I could, then getting back on the train for the next stop. A woman overheard me griping and couldn't believe that I was not appreciating such a, a magnificent city as Vienna. She was an older American woman from California, though I'm probably older now than she was then. Her kids had gone to college, and she had come to Vienna for a year to study music history. She looked at me, a young, scruffy backpacker, and thought to make her mission to enlighten me on her adopted town. She started with the essentials, offering me a place for a hot shower and to leave my bags, and then we headed off to get some Viennese pastries and fantastic coffee. It's amazing how suddenly getting some good food can elevate your opinions. As we wandered, we eventually found ourselves at St. Stephen's Cathedral, the major landmark within the city. Inside, we marveled at the sculptures and the stained glass before overhearing a tour guide saying that they were giving a guided tour of the catacombs. Unlike Paris and Rome, the catacombs here were just basement vaults below the cathedral. A 
A small party of us descended the winding staircase, finding ourselves in a dark, stone, centuries-old passageway. Soon we came across one of the bone rooms, where over the centuries bodies were brought below from crowded cemeteries or from paupers' graves, exhumed for fear of disease or because of building development. Sometimes the bodies were just dumped in pits. In the room, a dim bulb illuminated a mix of bones, shoe leather, and worn cloth. In other rooms, the bodies were disassembled and stacked to form entire walls of stacked leg bones topped with a row of skulls. But this wasn't the strangest thing. What St. Stephen's also had was a ducal crypt. Vienna had been the seat of the Austro-Hungarian Empire for many generations, and they had a curious family burial tradition. Their bodies were buried in metal sarcophagi in one part of the imperial crypt. Their hearts were in silver chests in another spot. The St. Stephen's ducal crypt holds urns containing their viscera, meaning their intestines and their organs. The bone rooms were dark, but these, in contrast, were bright, white-walled, well-lit rooms with ornate urns in an amazing variety of sizes, lining shelves behind elaborate grates. Again, not scary, but weirdly creepy. That does sound like a place to visit. That sounds cool. I've been to that cathedral, but I did not know about the catacombs underneath. I wish I had now. Interesting artistic choice, too, for them to light up the room of the rich urns. But then purposefully, I would say, or maybe it's for preservation's sake, I don't know, but to have a just a dim bulb lighting a pile of bones and cloth and shoe leather. I mean, it's almost like it's meant to make you feel... One, the difference of wealth, but also to make you feel a little creepy about this dumped pile of bodies, don't you think? Yeah. Is Okay, the worn cloth and shoe leather, is that just like the remains of the clothes and shoes that people were wearing? I think so, yeah. That probably makes it more freaky because when you go to the crypt of the Capuchin monks in Rome, there's no clothing or shoe leather, and that makes it less real. Yeah. It's harder to imagine bones as being a dead body when there's no clothes on them yeah but then this gives the impression of just wheelbarrow after wheelbarrow a person just being dumped in a pile and then disintegrating well why which is scarier exactly which is much scarier than like bones human bones made into a chandelier for some reason right i don't know why it's still dead bodies but for some reason just yeah a pile of dead bodies is scarier yeah for sure good creepy experience keith I really like it. Should we lighten the mood? Let's lighten the mood a little bit. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I was hoping you would ask. Because Halloween is not just about scaring each other. It's also about having some fun with the holiday, uh, dressing up, all those things. First off, though, I thought we'd check back in with Chloe, because here's the advantage that maybe you don't know, those of you listening, is that that interview I did with Chloe, that cute, cute interview that makes me laugh every single time, was done a really long time ago now. It was one of the first pieces I ever got paid to do when I was first in radio. So Chloe is now a teenager. She has her license. She's going to prom. You know, (laughs) she's doing all the teenagery things. So I did a follow-up interview with her and her father just to see what happened to Chloe. Did it damage her brain? Where is she now? Is she in a mental asylum? Asylum. Yes. Is she killing people actively? <laughs> Let's, find out. Let's find out. What's the last horror movie that you saw? Hmm. Insidious 2. And what happens in Insidious 2? 
the dad as a kid had this weird like power and he could cross over into another world and through him dead could come into their world so it was it's actually really good in my opinion i think it's really good do you still watch horror movies together yes not nearly as much as we used to because she's older and she has wants to hang out with her friends more but we watch the walking dead every sunday and uh, american horror story which is a little bit more graphic than I thought it would be for a television show and a child watching it, but she's four seasons in, so it's no turning back now. All right, so let's say you have to recommend a horror movie to a four-year-old. Which movie are you going to pick? Care Bears. No, horror. <laughs> that hor- is horror. Not horrible. <laughs> um, I would probably do the remake of Halloween because even though it was gory, it was really cheesy. Or maybe the remake of Freddy Krueger, because that one was... I didn't really like that movie. (laughs) Would you uh, agree with those recommendations? I think those are horrible recommendations. (laughs) What happened to you? (laughs) Maybe the the horror movies did impact you. I'm saying those two movies because I think they're really cheesy, and I don't think they would scare my kid. And then I will go into the way and be on the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Scream and all those. Did you get any feedback about this story? When it came out? Oh, yeah. I got a lot. (laughs) What were people saying? To my surprise, there were more positive comments than there were negatives. And some of the negatives were really ridiculous. I remember the one talking about my child should be taken away from me and this is a form of child abuse. But I remember someone actually said, this guy's a hero. So I'll go with that. Email's my favorite. (laughs) Do you think that this will be a common bond that will keep you and your father together? I do. I do. He can be like, hey, Chloe, let's go see the new horror movie. And I'll be like, what up, Dad? Let's go. Well, it's good to hear that she turned out okay. Yeah, she turned out okay. She turned out okay. Uh, thanks to KUOW Public Radio, which is where I used to work, for asking me to do that follow-up piece. I don't know that I would have thought to do it and for letting me make it mirror the original piece so closely in how it's constructed how it was constructed okay I, w- I do want to play you one other piece of tape because we always talk about this long history I had working in radio making daily radio for public radio and in Halloween like I mentioned we got really down into it and had super fun every year coming up with something creepy and scary or funny to do as a result and one year I came up with the idea of us trying to make our own gory sound effects. And I took the host of the show, Steve Scher, and our producer, Ann Dorenfeld, and we tried to make these sounds. Let's get some ideas. All right, let's hear it. We're gonna make some of our own scary sound effects. Well, this is a good room for doing this in because I love all the skeletons hanging on the wall and I'm really surprised you manacled that aardvark to the side of the place and then let it dry out and desiccate. That was kind of scary. He was not pleased. No, I imagine he wasn't. And what do you got in your hand there? Uh, I have a, a spear that's about to pierce my flesh, also known as an apple. Okay, let's see how it sounds. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like you're taking a bite of an apple. <laughs> yeah, that sounded like an apple. Here, let me try some. You ready? Okay. That was better. 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 Okay, so you need to be really aggressive with the apple biting. I hurt my jaw. Here, and does does try number two. Suffer for your art. Okay. It still sounds like an apple. I'd say that that's a loser one. Don't do that one. That does not sound like 
a spear piercing flesh. Pretty good apple, though. Steve, uh, why don't you try yeah, a hum yeah, human mutilation? You have to come down here, though. Let me let me brush away the cobwebs and this. Boy, what did you do to this rat? Well, he was bothering me. I'm sorry. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna bust up a bunch of human bones. You little. Okay, I got the head. Let me open that chest. You're very strong. <laughs> the way you busted that head apart was ridiculous. What was that? What did I you do? I ripped open the body of a cadaver we brought in from the grave and then uh, tore it apart. <laughs> Cabbage, celery, and carrots. Now let's... Uh, should we do a little gore? We'll do a little gore here. We got some eggs. Here, you take the mic here. Supposedly, according to our instructions, we can make plenty of gore just using eggs and dipping rags and paper towels into them. So let's give it a try. That's egg number one. We got some shell in there. Mix Pop the eye socket on that guy, will you, Ann? Mix up the eggs. Now, what's supposed to happen here? Supposedly, we can make it sound like gore and squidge, as they describe it, just by dipping rags and paper towels into the eggs and pulling them out again. So we'll see what that sounds like. I'm going to just fluff it. I'm gray, Steve. What, what, what's it supposed to sound like? It's supposed to sound like gore, general gore. <laughs> <laughs> so I suppose that could mean anything, really. The egg's not, uh, I say the egg's off the list. All right. Eggs and apple are off the list, but so far the cabbage, that's a winner. This is going to be the, you know, this is what, the creme de la creme here. This is the best experiment we've got going today. This is like the firework that you save for the end, yeah, you know, everyone points to it and you say, no, no, we'll, we'll do that last. This is the grand finale. We have one of the saddest looking roasted chickens I've ever seen in my entire life here. And according to our instructions, we're supposed to take this roasted chicken and stuff it with something. It says anything. So I brought these jalapeno chips that I've had in my desk drawer for at least two years. And I've decided I probably never am going to eat them at this point. So, do you want to help me stuff these inside sure. the bird? That's me trying to stuff chips oh. into our cavity. Okay, that looks good. Now, the general idea according to our piece of paper is According to the research you've done the on the interwebs. The research you've done into how to make our own gory sound effects. If I hit this roasted chicken with a sledgehammer, it will sound like bones crunching and breaking, which I would argue the cabbage did as well, but this is far more exciting. You might want to step back. <laughs> no, nothing. Nothing? Not what? even when I'm hitting the bones? Tear it, tear it apart. Tear the, tear the chicken apart with your hands. It actually smells kind of good. <laughs> I'm even breaking bones. It's supposed to sound like bones. How, how can breaking bones not sound like bones breaking? You know what we're learning from this? Being your own Foley artist is really not that easy. Now see, I thought that the bite of the apple sounded like someone's neck getting broken. Ooh. Just someone's bones being broken. Just, but like just one or two bones, not like their entire body being smashed to bits with a cleaver. <laughs> But that's what it sounded like to me. Not the very first bite, which was too slow, but when she got into it, 
I could totally imagine that that was the sound of uh, a neck snapping or something. Oh, that's good. See, we should have had you there to critique because we felt like we were largely failures. (laughs) (laughs) No, it was good. It was good. What was the last thing that was so incredibly violent? Ripping a cabbage apart. The cabbage was good. I like that. Yeah, the cabbage was the most successful. So before Wednesday, everybody go get a cabbage. So before we end, I was wondering if you had any scary stories. I told a few last week, but did you come up with any in the uh, in the interim? I do have a scary story, which you might remember me telling you because it happened when we were in high school. I was 17, maybe 16, living at home, obviously, and I was in my bedroom and my bedroom was on the ground floor and it was at the back of the house. It wasn't like on a busy street or anything. There was hardly anybody on my street. Yeah, your house was super hard to get to. Yeah, it was very hard to get to. It was the second to the last house at the bottom of a steep hill that was a dead end. There was not even another house on the other side of it. There was just a lake there. So I was in my bedroom one day. It was during the day. And I was listening to opera. (laughs) (laughs) And I was probably like frolicking around my room pretending to be Maria Callas or something and I noticed something on the window like a smudge like I thought there's a smudge on the window and I went over there and I looked at it and it was kind of hard to see because it was daylight outside but I recognized the shape of someone's ear like an ear print on my window I immediately freaked out, called for my mom. I must have put the curtains down because I was afraid that someone was outside pressing their face against my window. And it might not have been until nighttime that I looked again and I saw that these prints were all over the windows. Oh my God. Everywhere. (laughs) There were probably eight or nine different spots where someone with short hair, I can't promise you it was a man, but it was someone who had like, you know, the haircut short at the temple. You could see the outline by the eye and you could see the ear and part of the cheek and you could see just a little bit of the hair. Like that was a part of the face that you could see and it was pressed up against the window and it was definitely on the outside. I mean, it would have been scarier if it had been on the inside, <laughs> but I freaked out and we called the police And we never found anything. We didn't find any tracks. You know, Seattle's kind of a rainy place. It's like rains more often than not. There didn't seem to be any footprints in the little dirt garden path outside my window. So we never figured out what it was or who it was. But something else happened. Some of these things are kind of foggy. Some of them are very clear. Like I can totally picture that ear print if I saw it yesterday. But the time is not so clear. And so this other incident that happened, I know it happened around the same time, but I can't be positive it was before or after. All I know is I was sitting in the downstairs living room, which had these huge French doors that were glass that led outside, all window, the entire room. I was sitting in the dark, but the television was on. So I was sitting on the floor in front of this TV. And of course, the light was shining on me. I couldn't see outside because the light was shining in my face from the TV. And at one point, I finally was like, okay, I'm going to turn this off. I turned off the TV 
And all of a sudden I could see again. And I looked out and I was like, God, that looks like the shape of a person. I was just kind of staring at it because I didn't think it actually was a person. But I could kind of like see the shape of someone's arm. And all of a sudden, the person leans to the side and the arm hangs down. Oh. And it's a man. There was a man outside the window looking in. Wow. But I never saw his face. I could only see the silhouette. And I screamed my head off and, of course, ran and woke up my mom. And she uh, was dating at the time my stepfather. They were not married yet. And she called him and he, you know, he drove over and he spent the night because I was so, you know, it was just us two women in the house, you know. My sister had gone off to college. It was me and my mom, you know, in this big empty house. (laughs) And, and yeah, so that was freaky. That is so scary. But so strange, too. An ear? Well, you know what my stepfather said? He said, maybe it's some opera lover. (laughs) It's like just listening to the opera that you have constantly playing from your room. (laughs) I'm not sure which time we called the police. We might have called the police a second time and not the first time. But either way, there was nothing that they ever found. Maybe it was a ghost, Katie. I don't know. It was just body parts. Part of a head. (laughs) An arm. An ear. Well, that reminds me of our final piece of tape for today's show, which is another one from my good friend, Matt. I got to tell you, Halloween is about Matt for me in some ways. He's had so many (laughs) scary things happen to him. So he was inspired when we made the call and he sent in this other scary experience that I thought we could share to end. It was my sophomore year in high school and it was nighttime and my parents were gone and I don't know where my brother or sister were but I remember being in my bedroom all alone working on homework and I can recall sitting there and all of a sudden getting the eeriest feeling that someone was watching me so I paused a moment and kind of listened to the silence in the house to see if I could hear anything So I decided to ignore it. But a short time later, the feeling came back, but even stronger than before. So I decided to stand up and kind of focus where I was getting the vibe from, which was my bedroom window. So I walked slowly over to the window. My blinds were closed and I stuck my fingers in between two of the slats and spread them apart. I was beyond terrified to see that there was a pair of eyes staring at me from outside looking in. They were wide and evil looking and I completely freaked out, moved my hand away, ran out of my room into the bathroom across the hall from my bedroom and locked myself in. My bedroom didn't have a lock, and the only place that I could think of that had a lock was the bathroom. At the time, there was no cell phones or anything like that. We had a landline, and one was in the room directly across from the area he, the gentleman or whatever was standing, and the other was in the kitchen. But either way, I felt in my panicked state of mind, the best thing to do was to lock myself in somewhere. I sat there in silence and listened and waited and waited and it felt like an eternity but finally said okay I need to make some kind of a move 
So I unlocked the bathroom door, carefully opened it up, and knew that I had to go check again before trying to call for help. So I went back into my room, went over to the blind, opened it again, and nothing was there. Feeling a little bit better, I kind of relaxed for a moment, and then it dawned on me that whoever it was could be anywhere outside of the house by now. So I opened my closet door and I grabbed a baseball bat, made my way out of the room carefully looking down the hallway, made my way into the kitchen to call the police. I was about to pick up the phone when I had that eerie feeling again, but it was way worse than the first time. It was more of a presence, like whoever it was was now inside the house. I had the phone in my hand, lifted it to my ear when the feeling came over. I paused a moment, slowly put down the phone as if I knew what was going to happen when I turned around. And then I took a deep breath, slowly turned around, and... Just kidding. That never happened. <laughs> oh, you totally that's very got fun. me on that one. Mm-hmm, oh, so good. Happy Halloween. Have fun. Hopefully nobody's looking in your windows tonight. And if they are, let them be little kids looking for treats. <laughs> Thank you for all your stories. And until next time, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Join us again if you survive. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> If you love the show, consider a donation to it. Visit thebittersweetlife.net on your desktop, click the donate button, and send us a little bit of change to help us with the bills. (laughs) 